wonderful round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the monthly roundup round table. Once again, with myself, Frank, UFO Thinker Podcast, Ash and Greg, in pursuit of the paranormal podcast slash UFO Identified. How are we doing, chaps? Very good, thanks. Very well, very, very well. <laughs> good, good. And also, we've got once again Dave Smethurst. How you doing, Dave? Back again after missing last month. Oh, I feel bad, Frank. I, I'm like a phoenix. I've been really, really busy, and I'm like a phoenix that's risen from the ashes. One of my feathers are burnt, and I can't fly. So there you go. But anyway, I feel my beer at any rate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's great to be back, actually. And I was, uh, I'm sorry I missed last month, particularly after I heard what you're all saying. Uh, I could have put you straight. <laughs> I'm already joking. Yeah, well, good, good to have you back, Dave. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, as we discussed last month, Dave, I'm sure you, you caught up on it from listening back. Uh, the plan was to get stuck into this uh, documentary, Accidental Truth UFO Revelations. But before we get started on on talking about that, I believe you, you wanted to kind of Throw your your two pennies in about some of the things yeah. we were talking about last time with Kirkpatrick and whatnot. Yeah. So all, all, it was, all it was, I thought, well, I'd leave the show for one month and listen to a lot of you. By the end of it, you're going, what a good lad, Sean. He's lovely lad. He's nice to animals. Oh, yes. I'm sure. Anyway, so I, <laughs> as I was kicking my phone up and down the room, I thought, I can't be doing this. But more seriously, <laughs> no, more seriously, though, I've just because I've been doing stuff, I've not had a chance to say much on it. So... Keep it simple, but for me, with a Kirkpatrick thing, I think the big issue is he's taking a scientific approach to what acceptable evidence is rather than the courtroom standard of evidence, which I think needs to be applied. And clearly, it should be an investigative approach, not a scientific approach. Well, because he's taking the scientific approach, there's no, he's, there's no basic follow-up on the strong sort of evidence that's presenting itself. He's, uh, or he just dismisses it. He's focusing on sightings, uh, but a lot of the evidence isn't like that, and it requires a basic uh, follow-up. Now, in my experience of all public policy stuff, the basic standards, the courtroom standard to initiate action, not bloody get around the test tube and in the lab and say, oh, it's all right now, lad. the litmus paper's gone, so let's get stuck in. You do a proper investigative. If it's a good standard of evidence, then you move forward, and he's not doing that. So his mission is to find out what UAPs are and what their origin is, so not uh, have some sort of high scientific bar that means he doesn't have to investigate anything. So anyway, I think he's narrowed down his definition of actionable proof, and that's the scope of his investigation. He's, as I say, he's just looking at sightings. And I think it's deliberate. That was the, all joking aside, and it was a good discussion you guys had, in fairness. I thought it was a pretty good discussion. But the question is, is it deliberate or is it an accident? And I think... It is deliberate what he's doing. It fits with his foot dragging into the setup, not getting info from other agencies, making an excuse. And it's a bit like a more sophisticated version of the brave thing of, oh, well, nothing to see here, low information zone. If only we could see it all, it would all be dismissed. Someone else's problem. And I just think he's trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but I think he badly misjudged the mood of a lot of people who were in there. 
and the shifting slightly from nothing to see it oh so i'm not quite sure what we've seen that extraterrestrial thing was a red herring the way he used that nobody was saying that like you guys said and he's disparaging the witnesses no credible evidence of advanced technology i think that's ridiculous from an evidentiary courtroom evidentiary testimony point of view uh, again, the short term, it's somebody else's problem. Uh, it's not short term, it's a long term task of discovery he's been given. And I just don't think he's got any intention of investigating this. Ross Caltart said he's dangerous of misleading Congress based on what he said. Gary Nolan said science sh can and should be done in the field. Chris Mellon said there was loads of evidence already gathered. And Rob Sellers said he was part of the intelligence effort to suppress it all. So, uh, given that we have been, to, oh, me, me and you, Frank, and to a certain extent, you guys have all been doubting Mr. Kirkpatrick's credentials for me. Uh, he's not only, well, he's not only proved that he's not, his heart's not in it, and, he, and there's rumours he may be gone, although I don't know about that. You know, uh, I don't think he's the man for the job. Uh, so th th there you go. So that was my little rant over. And uh, as I say, as you can tell, I've not been very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but I may be being a bit harsh, but I don't think I am. So there you go. No, fair enough, Dave. And uh, good to get your take on it, as you were obviously missing last time, making up for lost time there. Yeah. So <laughs> it's good. <laughs> just just before we get cracking, them audio levels look all right to you guys. We're on a slightly different screen tonight for, for the listeners, so I'm just checking everything looks all right. Yeah, quite high but for you two, but... Okay, that's cool. As long you as you don't it's tend to nothing. have a problem, yeah. Yeah, on, on my one, it's just showing nothing, but it's probably. Oh no, yeah, it's, it's proper. That's, that's cool. Right, so yeah, little little technical uh, verification over with. Let's get stuck in <laughs> to the first proper topic for for the programming this evening. So, as I say, this documentary, uh, "Accidental Truth: UFO Revelations," the the little sort of spiel that they uh, provide on, on websites and, and whatnot and in their press release is as follows, quote, the truth can no longer be contained by those duty-bound to hide it. Officials who interact with the public regarding the UFO question openly acknowledge that they know things that they can't reveal. In accidental truth UFO revelations, the reality of an advanced intelligence engaging with humanity becomes undeniably clear. Unquote. So it had some rave reviews, uh, this film, and we were all quite excited to watch it. Hopefully, we've all, or at least most of us, I think, have, have done our homework and watched it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been traveling around oh, yeah. quite a lot with work recently, so I've had a chance to, to check it out uh, myself one evening in a, in a boxy hotel room. And um, I'll go through my thoughts quickly first and then hand over to you guys and see what you thought. So my take was, you know, it did have a lot of the typical talking heads in it. I don't think anyone can deny that. It's kind of the merry-go-round of, of typical faces that you do see. And, and you know, some of the folks that were on there, I was, wasn't exactly delighted to see, <laughs> to, to, to put it bluntly. Um, there was a bit of a, a, a distinct kind of lack of, of any surprise appearances from, like, somebody that we've never heard before. It was kind of typical, you know, the ones you, that you'd expect, really. So no, like, big new revelations, um, you know, from that point of view, despite the kind of, you know, the title. Um, I think, however, having said that, though, for somebody who's kind of not aware of all of the nuances of, of this topic, you know, it, I reckon it probably could be a quite a useful watch 
because uh, it does dig in a little bit, perhaps a little bit deeper than some other documentaries that I've seen to some of the areas and the nuances and whatnot. And it kind of goes into crash retrievals and material analysis and things like that, which was actually quite nice to see. Um, although there wasn't any kind of like new information or any, any of that, at least for me, because I suppose I've looked at that kind of thing quite a bit. So I didn't really necessarily learn anything brand new, but again, quite good for, for those perhaps who are not familiar with that side of things. I think overall, I have to say, probably wasn't really like my cup of tea. I, I, I didn't find it a terrible watch, but you know, it wasn't really bad. It's probably just not really aimed at somebody like, like, like me who's, who's kind of obsessed with this topic quite a lot and then looking into things in quite a lot of detail. There wasn't really anything in there that was kind of bad information or misleading or anything like that. But I just thought the overall tone is probably not exactly what I I personally prefer. Um, There was a lot of recreation footage and things in there, even though that was specified on screen that it wasn't real footage, which is a good thing. I'm not really the biggest fan of a lot of recreation footage, um, you know, in in documentaries and whatnot. And, And the narration style probably you know, wasn't exactly what I like and whatnot. Um, the, the main issue I actually had with the production was this unbelievably overused sound effect. Um, I was going to try and, and get that, the little snippet of the sound effect, but I thought they might do a copyright strike on me if I do that. But honestly, I mean, I might be more sensitive to stuff like that because I'm a, you know, I'm a musician sort of thing, but you know, it really actually made it quite hard for me to get through it. Um, just like every like two minutes, there was this sound again, and it's like, oh, man, after a while, I was just struggling. But you know, um, there's probably people listening to this who have not, didn't even notice that sound effect. But it's like once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. And I clocked it after the first twenty minutes, and then it was just like, yeah, I found it a bit tough uh, from that point of view. But as I say, not 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 a bad film. Probably not not exactly my cup of tea. And that sound effect was sort of the nail in the coffin, uh, I reckon, for me. That's my two pennies, anyway. What, what do you guys reckon? Uh, Ash, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think we all sort of recognised the sound effect that you were talking about. Um, I hadn't actually thought about it in that way until you said it. I was like, I know exactly what he means when he, <laughs> when he said that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with the main points there that it's nothing new. It's typical talking heads with a couple of MUFON people thrown in there. Uh, in the mix, of obviously Nick Pope is obviously you can't. I don't, I don't think you're allowed to make a documentary without Nick Pope in it. I think I didn't notice him in it. Was he in it? <laughs> I think oh, that's the actual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like an anti-copyright law that you have to have Nick Pope in a UFO documentary. <laughs> um, CGI stuff, the recreation. I don't think that we need a disclaimer that it was. Not real, real footage. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously the best. I mean, it's obviously a different way of showing it, but yeah. Uh, but on the the main stuff, talking about sort of repeating stuff. If I had to hear that audio from the Nimitz videos in another documentary, it always loud as well. I'm like, how's oh, playing this audio again? There's another podcast also has it as part of his intro. I have to skip it every time. I play uh, that UFO podcast, Andy. That you in choice every time you have to skip through 30 seconds just not to hear that audio again from the Nimitz. Um, but anyway, on to the actual documentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kind of things that I sort of I mean, yeah, there's nothing new in there for, for us guys. Um, but what I sort of took a disliking into 
was they did kind of portray it as facts, a lot of stuff they were saying. As a lot of it was kind of conjecture and sort of we believe this, but instead of saying like this is apparently or this is a belief, it's this is what happened. We have a lot of the stuff on the documentary where that's like don't know for sure that that's true. They're putting it across as it was true, so it sort of took a little bit of a thingy to that. And also, do you narrate at one point? This is sort of maybe a question to ask you guys as well. Is they said that the whoever the narrator was, I think, is an actor. Said we have every right to know what is going on, sort of in in the airspace, or a right to know what the government knows. So, I guess for me, is one: do we have a right to know what the government knows? And two, who makes that decision? Who is the one to say, or what group is it to say? The public deserve to know, so we're going to tell them. So, I guess that's the question back to you guys: is do we have a right to know, and who makes that decision? Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting point and and that whole thing is something I've grappled with a lot when I do my solo pods, you know. Like um, you know, is it perhaps in in the public's best interest not to know what's really going on and, and what the government know and all the rest of it, you know, it's a I, I tend to go along the lines of kind of increased transparency with the public but within reason. Because obviously there is an entanglement with national security concerns and that kind of thing. And at the end of the day, I'd say sort of, you know, an increased transparency is fair, but within reason to protect those national security concerns. And the people who would make that decision would be the people who we basically trust with handling national security concerns. They sort of, you, you would you like to think anyway that they would be the ones you know, that would be qualified to make that decision. and It's a difficult one, isn't it? Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough question. What do you reckon, Dave? I can see you're uh, raring to go there on that one. All right, well, uh, it's the old one Ross Coulthard says, to be honest, Mike, I bloody wouldn't tell him anything. Uh, you know, and that's what he says, isn't he? Oh, I can see why they're keeping it secret. and all. But I don't know about that. I mean, I think there's a middle ground. I think but you've got to, it's about accountability and democratic decision-making. Clearly, you can't give away the whole farm and there may be secrets you need to know, but there is a middle ground where you can give people enough information to make legitimate policy decisions on what we do without exposing you know, terrible secrets or whatever. So, so that, for me, is the big issue. I think there's a middle ground. Because what we've had, haven't we? We've had a secretive cabal in America or whatever making a load of decisions on our interests that have gradually become their interests because they've made, done the cover-up. And now you've got, we don't even know what the basis of the decision is. And what I, so I think it's clearly a middle ground that they do. I'm not going to go out, I'll wait to see what the rest of you think about the film. But they do tackle that a little bit at the end of the film where they ask the question about the limits of disclosure. And they're a bit hot on cold on whether it's a deception or whether there's a need to know. So your question is very pertinent there, Ash, because they actually come to that in the end. And is it, is, and it comes to the question we've often asked about the, these four stages of disclosure. And where are they going to get to? Are they going to tell you everything, a little bit? Where is it going to be? But for me, it's not good enough to say, well, I'd keep it secret. And uh, you've got to have democratic accountability society. And we're quite successful as democracies in identifying where the line is, where we need to make a decision. And, and I think so that, that's the question for me. That's the answer. It's a nuanced answer, but it's, 
still pretty clear in my mind. Yeah, definitely. And the trouble is, is that we don't actually know what the government know. So then it's difficult to make a decision as to whether or not it's fair and reasonable to disclose that to the public because it depends what it is to disclose in the first place, isn't it? Like there might be something that about this whole thing that the government know where if they told the public, like, oh, why do you have to tell us that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we just don't know what they actually know in the first place, do we? But... Well, the, the classic crack, the classic is, if the earth was going to blow up in five years, would you tell us? Because it'd be absolute pandemonium, wouldn't it? And yeah. while we're all say, like to say, yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen, by the way, before anybody rushes out and starts smoking again. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That, and we'd all think sitting there, well, I don't know whether I want to do that. I might want to have my last five years without knowing, really, rather than stabbing my next door neighbour for the last carrot in Sainsbury's, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so but anyway, so, yeah, that, that's an extreme example. And then you take it back from that, don't you? Sorry, Greg, I bet I thought I, I dived in. I thought you might have something to say there. No, no, I think um, you're pretty spot on. I think, like you mentioned, do I think we do have a right to know what's going on up in the sky. But, like you said, Frank, what do they even know? They might actually be learning everything at the same time that they're kind of weird, like a step behind on disclosure of what they know. So these, a lot of these things that are coming out are stuff that they're learning briefly before us, highly unlikely. And they touched on the, that in the, um, the documentary about everything they're trying to sort of wipe from history, everything before 2004. And I think that's something that we've, um, We've discussed on here before that before the, the like the Nimitz case was, or the Nimitz incident, um, that's kind of the turning point for modern day sort of ufology in terms of like history writing. I think when you had the 2017 um, New York Times thing come out um, about it, and 2004 seems to be like the modern era. And they're trying to get rid of everything before. It was interesting that on the documentary that they were saying that they can't get rid of stuff before 2004 because there's so much out there already. But disclosure-wise, who? Yeah, who? Who is responsible? They talk about Majestic Twelve and all that kind of stuff in the, the documentary. Um, it's likely a group of people like that. I'm not saying it's that group, but it's likely to be a set of people, non-politicians, so sort of senior army, senior navy that are in their post for decades rather than two terms of a presidential um, candidate. But my thought is that they're likely to be the people that are directing disclosure talking about the documentary from the lay person that I am that's not up on the UFO stuff like you guys it was it was an interesting documentary I didn't learn anything new that I hadn't seen really on anything before and I know I've got probably a slight a higher 
interest level than the normal person because of what we do with the podcasts and just my um my uh interests as a as a whole but it was the same old people nick pope on there it was just a matter of when he popped up rather than if he popped up and i just the more i see him on documentaries the less i think he's got any credibility from my side of what he claims to have or the the seriousness of his role at his time at the mod that's just my opinion i don't think it's quite as grandeur as he was making out ever and considering what he potentially knows i just think it's he's not he's not brought anything new to the table really you got people like lou alizondo and um people like that 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 are bringing stuff to the table and i know lou has had his critics online i know that but one thing that i did like on documentary was the fact that bigelow robert bigelow was brought up i did like that um because bigelow's very famous in like the paranormal side as well as skinwalker ranch and um and also his space uh, race which doesn't get talked about as much as Elon Musk and and people like Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos with um, with their endeavors but Robert Bigelow is actually a very intelligent well like thought of guy I think in this type of field and I don't think there's enough talked about about Robert Bigelow um, so to see him on a documentary was good, and Lou Alizondo was saying, "Yeah, I would. I wouldn't even need to think about working for him if he just asked me. I'd just. It'd be an instant yes. It'd be like, when do you want me to start? Um, so some bits were good. The CGI was not required, I don't think, but it gave the impression like to visualise what you were. They were talking about, and that fucking. Segway music, that little sound effect. Jesus Christ. Every time I heard it, I thought, oh, Jesus. So I'm with you there, Frank, and you, Ash, and I think you, Dave. It was just one of those bits. It's like, fucking hell, at least do, do a different sound or something. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> right. I'm just glad it wasn't just me then, because I thought, am I just like really sensitive to certain sounds or something like that? But no, I yeah. think. Same oh, thing. Yeah, God, you got would... it after a couple, after a couple of the times, I was thinking, surely not. Then, boom, it came again. I'm getting a bit worried listening. To that. I think you're all crack under questioning fairly easily listening to this. If that's all it takes to set you off, Jesus yeah. Christ. No, I, I, it was very irritating, I must admit. It just struck me as you were talking the thought that Nick Pope is a man whose own personal credibility has been outgrown by the credibility of the subject. So yeah. it's quite amusing, really. Because <laughs> I used to quite like him when he was on in the late eighties, because he sounded quite Ooh. sensible. But now, yeah, he, the, yeah. the subject has so much more gravitas, but he's just not up to it, really. The thing is, but, now I think with him, he's so far removed from it in terms of time that I, d I don't get it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The relevance of him is sort of waning from my from my point of view. Yes, you were in the MOD doing some kind of random desk job way back when but modern ufology if you go from 2004 onwards you're nowhere near that mate yeah 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 do, do you want yeah. to hear what i thought of this before we before we finish 
Yeah, just to, just, to, oh, just no, to, no, 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 you're all right. No, carry on, Frank. Just a quick I won't personally, well. mate. Just to just to provide the other the other side of the coin, though, as well. I think it's fair, you know, fair to say that Nick Pope has played a role over the years in the subject and things like that, which is, you know... You don't need to sit on the fence, Frank. <laughs> Me and Ash take pride in the fact that on our podcast, we will say as is. But I get what you're saying. As you think it is. <laughs> no, fair, Sorry. Fair I've, been, I've been a bit... I maybe have had a bit of Red Bull tonight, as so I've been a bit of argument. I'm only winding you up. I mean, I, I like him a bit more than you two because I used to quite, I was quite glad to hear him actually. But as I say, uh, maybe I've been a bit, you're making me feel bad now, Frank. I feel a bit harsh. <laughs> no, I'm, so do I'm, I. I'm just, I'm just reiterating Ash's comments from last month. Was it last month when you were saying that he's always been really sound to you whenever you've reached that, out to him? That's that what song. made me yeah, remember yeah. that. I forgot. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a bit changeable, are you, that Ash? Isn't it? Saying that. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Anyway, and just little uh, little slight defence of Nick Pope over with. What did you reckon of the documentary then, Dave? Right, uh, right. Well, I thought I agree with Ash. It was a bit of a polemic piece, and it's always a bit of an error that because once you start giving a bit of a, a political view, like a, a leader column, it's very easy to mix facts with opinion, isn't it? As as you were implying there. So mm. I'm never a great, quite a great fan of that. I prefer the James Fox approach and all that. It's a bit more trying to. Evidence first and then opinion more, you know, layered in a bit later on. The accidental truth, uh, just just for people, it's that the evidence of the cover-up shows that uh, there is a they exist. So that's quite interesting. It's a bit tendentious for me. That That's, uh, you know, it, it's a bit obvious, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's, yeah, it's quite an interesting part. I actually, I don't know really, just the shorthand is, I quite like the first bit, the revelations, the bit that ignoring history. And the thing that is a favourite of mine about the fact there's a sort of this behind-the-scenes war about disclosure going on. But for me, it started to fragment after that, basically, and that, that, that was a bit of a worry. And what they did, they confused the chasers with the ones they're chasing. So they told the story of the people who we know, like the Hal Potoffs and all these other people, uh, the advanced theoretical weapons who were chasing and trying to look into the obscure window to see what was happening. They started to tell it as if they were running the program, and we know they weren't. ATIP was running, they're not. So the central problem for me is they veered in between Crash Retriever, which was good, then what, as I say, the chasers were doing to find things out. And it all become a bit mushed up in the narrative. And for me, the central message is there's been, and it seems to be emerging now, there's been a core program, you know, with DOE, whatever, whatever they want to go into is core program, reverse engineering, it's been kept apart and the lack of clarity in that bit of the film for me sort of gives a lack of clarity in our own sort of community narrative where these things blur a lot so that was it so basically it started off pretty well and sort of fragmented into all these sort of half analysis points as we went through but uh i thought it was i i did think it was good if you were watching it again I think it does this confusing the chasers with the chase, as it were, was a bit of a of a fundamental error to me. Uh, and I think that the limits of disclosure was a very interesting question at the end where they weren't quite sure as to, as you were posing us, whether it was just a deception or whether there, there was something they were holding back for good reason. So pretty good. Some of the talking heads I like, some of the ones not. And I wondered if, it reflected the crossover in the different narratives of across the decades of all those different talking heads. So fragmented, pretty good, 
worth a watch if you're new to it, but quite confused in the presenting what we now see emerging. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we've pretty much covered all the all the bases on that there. Overall, not bad. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, avoid it or anything like that. But as long as you can put up with that sound effect, uh, you know, especially because there's there's people who listen to the podcast who, who are bang into this topic who are you know researching stuff every day and so are similar to what you know we are. There's also people who listen and are just kind of curious and stuff like that, perhaps don't have that much knowledge. For those people, it's probably not a bad watch, you know, as long as you can put up with that sound effect. So anyway, shall we move on to the next um, the next topic? So this is another new case brought forward by um, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp, uh, once again on the Weaponized podcast, who we always end up talking about on this roundtable, don't we? Because the funny thing is, is that, we're always a bit last minute on these because they, they literally go out at midnight the day that we record the roundtables. And mm. perhaps they just they decide to do the big story at the end of each month or something because it always seems to be the day that we're recording the roundtable. I don't know if it's just a coincidence or what, but anyway. So this is another one like that that has very much kind of got everybody talking all sides of the kind of you know viewpoints on on the ufo twitter and the wider kind of ufo community so i've checked it out fairly quickly and when we're discussing this it's going to be hot off the press type of hot takes as they say uh, for all of us because literally it's only it's only been a matter of hours since the story came out but um basically this was something that took place in the spring of 2021 so like roughly two years ago, and it was um, dozens of U.S. Marines that were being trained at the uh, base at 29 Palms, and uh, they saw a, a very large triangular, or what appeared to be a triangular-shaped object described by uh, Jeremy Corbell and, and George Knapp as, as a craft. Obviously, that is, uh, I suppose, open to interpretation. And the thing that was interesting about it is that it sat motionless in the sky for over 10 minutes and um, multiple uh, marines that were there present recorded um, images of this triangular object on the phones and one of them had a low light feature um, sort of capturing setting on the camera and caught a particularly good still image and apparently the, the commanders of the base actually mobilised units to actually go and investigate and dispatched helicopters and all sorts and even fired flares off uh, to try to actually illuminate whatever this craft was. Um, and uh, Jeremy and, and George have got multiple videos and, and photographs of this. And the videos, actually, you can hear the reaction of the people who are present in the background as well, which is always quite an interesting uh, kind of thing to add into the mix. And there's also um, interviews with the Marines who were actually present there as well. And they reckon that this object was around about the size of a two-storey building, um, uh, as, as the height of a two-storey building and uh, about as long as half of a football field. And, um, yeah, pretty interesting one. Like I say, he's still sort of hot off the press at the moment, but I have been having a look on, on Twitter about this as well, uh, just to see what some of the more kind of like reasonable and uh, open-minded sceptics have been have been making of this. Because obviously, you know, you're going to have 
your extremes of, of, of either side. You're going to have people who are like, see, it's the smoking gun, it's, it's a UFO craft, and, you know, it's obviously a spaceship. And then on the other side, you're going to have people, it's obviously flares, what you're talking about, there's nothing to it. But, you know, those those either side doesn't really interest me that much. But there's a lot of people sort of in the middle of that spectrum who I, who I do like to go on and check out. And I have seen um, an analysis that's been done that appears to show the lights from the beginning of the video to to the end of the video actually lower slightly, which would suggest that it that it could be flares. Having said that, though, on the on the other the kind of flip side, the image that's an enhanced image that's with that low light setting really does to me look like there is some kind of a, a shadowish triangular shape behind the lights. So I'm a bit undecided on it at the moment. I mean, that thing about the lights appearing to drop throughout the course of the video does sort of look, that's the kind of clearest indication that it could be flares to me. But as I say, the one with the enhanced image that does look like a triangle behind it, I've not seen a good explanation for for what that is. So that's quite compelling to me that it could be some kind of a craft as well. So be interested to see what you guys reckon. And again, another one that'd be quite interesting to revisit perhaps next month when a lot more analysis has been done and perhaps more th- things will come out about it. So um, well, what do you reckon, Greg? Go ahead, mate. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, so I've I've listened to the, the whole podcast uh, this evening. I've checked out the videos. Um, there's one of the Marines actually states, he said, nobody fires flares in like a five-gun whatever shape or something he said that's that's not how you would shoot a flare he said it's definitely not a flare because it, it this guy claimed that it's definitely not a flare absolutely adamant it's not flares and that i mean you've got multiple witnesses of these marines it's a, like a 900 square mile base something like that so it's like one of the biggest bases around um they do all sorts of operations testing like um like military testing of units and practicing and all that kind of stuff and they set off bombs there all sorts of stuff um they mobilized like helicopters um and whatnot um to try and find it so you would think if if it was a flare or something like that, at least one of those people, especially high up, who had probably sanctioned this retrieval or chase um, group of people in helicopters and whatnot, would have known pretty quickly that that was was a flare. Uh, the picture looks really good. The low light setting. So all the iPhone does is with that low light setting, it just keeps the aperture open for a bit longer. Um, it's like star mode or night mode. I've got it on my, my iPhone. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. The, the the reaction from the Marines sounds really good on the video. At one point, he pans around so you can get like a an idea of, of what's going on and where this object is. Um, yeah, I, it's very very weird and all of a sudden for it to come out that was another thing i picked up it's like it came out and there's been no sort of build-up to it that i've i've seen that something big was going to be released which is probably good on weaponized podcast behalf um 
but yeah, it just I I thought it was really good um, personally, and I think all the signs are there that it ticks quite a lot of boxes. It's on a military site, so they should be able to identify anything that's flying over that the top of that for a start. You would like to think um, recorded on mobile phones, videos, photo. He also Jeremy Corbell also mentions the fact that they do have infrared footage as well of this object, but he hasn't been able to. It's not the original video, so he wanted to get the original video. So that'll be interesting to see what that would look like, because I don't. I mean, it was probably like some of the night vision stuff, but seems too good. <laughs> Credible yeah. witnesses. Reactions all sound good. They're like, "Oh, we're videoing this as aliens," and he gets on one of those guys that's filming aliens and stuff like that, and it it all sounds yeah too too good. Yeah, they they very much sort of. I think the the fact that there were multiple observers there who saw it, and you can hear them clearly in the background of the video saying, "That's definitely not flares." Like I know what flares look like. I've been doing this for ten years, whatever. That is definitely a feather in the cap of it being some kind of, you know, anomalous object of, of some type. That's for sure. They um, stated that they could see the craft. They could actually see the shadow of yeah, this craft. They, it doesn't come across on the video. And they also said about the the, the, the twinkling lights because it, it looks like flickering lights. And they said it definitely wasn't flickering. Now, if you record a halogen light on your mobile phone in your kitchen, it actually does kind of flicker a lot of the time. A lot of these new lights do do that. So it's not, I was thinking it's not unheard of that this flickering light could just be a stable light. It's just the medium it's been recorded on. But I'll tell you what I was thinking when you were talking just then, Greg, and I, I listened to the episode on um, Weaponized. I watched the video on YouTube, actually, because I wanted to Same. see yeah. um, But I, I was watching it basically like, about half an hour before we started recording this, so I kind of skimmed certain bits of it. But I didn't notice any mention of radar. Did did you? I mean, it may be that um, that wasn't mentioned. I don't know. Everyone's I didn't hear that mentioned. So you would assume that there would be, I mean, they they have to have radar stations there. It's a huge military base. So that would be, and that for me is like, I know I go on about it all the time, but Nimitz, you know, you've got multiple different sensor system operators that caught this thing as well. That's the big thing that to me about that case go, makes me go, right, okay, now we're talking sort of thing. That is what I would love to see with this one. Because, I mean, if, if you get like a radar operator who comes forward and goes, yeah, I saw exactly the time that they're talking about, I saw this massive object on the radar, didn't have a clue what it was, it was there for 10 minutes and it suddenly disappeared then that's, that's absolutely huge. And th- then this probably becomes as big of a case as something like the Nimitz. But, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think there is anything like that. But who knows, you know, the publicity that this gets now. It's only two years ago. The person who would have been manning the radar at that, at that point probably, you know, this could easily get back to them and perhaps they will come forward, you know. Um, what do you reckon, Dave? Well, I'm glad Greg said what he did because I, I roughly agree. I agree with Greg because I thought I might have a you free. I thought I might be like uh, not blocking a bridge too far when he runs to get the supplies that have been dropped out of the zone, and then he just gets to the end and he shoot him in the back. I thought that'd be like this experience. And I also had when I was watching the video Ashy's holographic head 
over me going, oh, no, 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 no. So I, I sort of agree with Greg that I thought uh, it looked pretty good, but it, I couldn't see the triangle much. It was pretty indistinct. Maybe I need to go to uh, Specsavers. Uh, it was silently hovering. I don't think uh, it was flares. I think they, whoever said that's clutching at straws because they showed a flare later on in the shot. That's one of the shots, isn't it? You could yeah. see the flare, and it wasn't dropping that much. Uh, I just wondered, but it was over a military base, and uh, it could have been a, a, another piece of equipment. But again, why would they launch everybody there? There was loads of eyewitnesses. Not thought of that, Greg, but it could all be a wind-up. That's interesting. Not thought of that. It's quite a good one. Given if it wasn't that, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people saw it. They did respond. Uh, I would, did think though, and I, as I say, with the holographic picture of Ash in my head, in my head, when they showed that picture at the end, it sort of its smile cracked a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Because I thought, <laughs> sorry, it's a bit of a torture, because I thought that picture was pretty good. Uh, not conclusive. It could have been. So it looked a bit more like the space shuttle than anything from a certain angle. But uh, it was pretty good that, and I thought that was all right. But you're dead right, Frank, and you should keep saying it. They won't be able to get the radar stuff because probably it's just come from the people, and it's like a grassroots report from the soldiers. But that radar thing is so important to confirm these things, and somebody will have. So I, I thought. It, it, it was okay. It's not the smoking. There's always some that seems to be lacking with the old Cabell things, doesn't it? But uh, I thought I thought it was pretty good as well with the eyewitnesses and all the rest of it. And that picture was really good. And I did wonder if it was part of the increase in the pressure or generally or specifically, because Marco Boyle asked that question in a signal message today and I wondered what I thought on that. And, the you know, it, we're not, we weren't sure in the end, but definitely maybe it's coming out now. So... Yeah, I thought it was okay, but I, I still think there's a few flaws as well. And a military-based site, you never quite know what you're looking at. Yeah, so what do you reckon, Ash? So, I mean, it's a decent one. It's definitely got lots to discuss about it. Uh, being on, obviously, military base, all these witnesses, always a good thing. But my first impression when I first just saw the first pictures and the first video is flares because I've seen dozens of very, very similar videos and pictures and that's what it looks like you see them all over facebook there's some particular ones that seems to get reposted all the time and it's like oh i've been seen over the different town every time it gets posted but it's just flares on repeat um on a loop but just to clear up a couple of points that i've sort of noticed i believe so i've seen a tweet earlier that the picture the low light picture first surfaced in like 2000, late 2021 um, so this isn't the first time it's been put out there. Obviously, probably the first time in this sort of level where people have obviously took notice to it with obviously the reach that Corbell and that has. Um, I believe that. I did see the tweet. It was like dated 2021 with, this, with that same picture. And you can't edit tweets, can you? So from that angle, I don't think you can. But that's the way I've seen a tweet with that picture on. Um, and the, the formation itself, I don't see the triangle formation. I've seen it in the Daily Mail. Uh, I think it was Josh and Chris Sharp at the Daily Mail with the article calling it a black triangular craft. And you, do, you, you can't see that at all, in my opinion. I mean, he's taken with an iPhone using, obviously, the different settings on there. And mobile phone cameras aren't designed to take pictures or something far away. They're designed literally for selfies. That's what mobile phone cameras are for. And it's not best quality. It's grainy. 
And it's, I mean, that it's, it's just, it is color bleed from the bright lights. Obviously, they blend together to then create what looks like an outline of something. So I've got it like sort of zoomed in on my phone now. And you can see, you can see where it kind of looks like something solid, but to me, that is just color bleed. So, another point is the formation in the videos. So, watch all the videos. Not listen to the episode, but I've listened, I've watched all the videos and read audience face that's on the weaponized website not a time to um watch the episode yet i was watching gary nolan's talk for our next segment um but he, the later videos i say they do drop and they come out with that formation they're not in the sort of the straight line triangle formation some of them do drop out of out of sync so it's a solid craft unless these lights are fluid on the craft if it's a craft which it could be if it's a different creation it could be but they do appear to drop and move that formation and when it disappears from view they've got it that it blinks out of view which again is something that flares that's how flare disappear when they stop burning they just disappear so lots of good points quite a few bad points for me i'm more on the side of it being something like flares there's different types of flares that you use and so the ones that they sent up to try and identify it would be different flares to what was these, if they are flares to what them ones were. And that's why they appear different. Some flares last longer, some went out sooner. But for me, decent one to talk about, but my opinion is it, it is flares. And I think Mick West did a comparison from 2019 where it's, again, it's five flares. And these were flares by fact. And the guy that said on the video that you don't launch in a set of five, in 2019, they had launched in a set of five. So that kind of debunks that statement straight away. And they did match very similar to this set of possible flares. So, yeah, for, that just backs up that I think it is flares. Yeah, I must admit, I, I, I'd thought about the same kind of points, that there are different types of flares. So even though the, the flares that are specifically shot up to illuminate the object looks different to the the object itself it could just be that we're talking about two different types of flares of course um and yeah i have seen the comparison images as well with other flare drops and they do clearly appear to have five flares which sort of does contradict what the actual person in the background of the video says where they'd never drop in fives it's like well there are clearly other versions of fives out there so it's yeah. a funny one. Um, I think it's just going to be one of them. Like you say, in, interesting to talk about, great to see. I mean, when I first saw it, I, was, I, I, I go on about black triangles all the time. It's like my obsession in terms of UFOs. Like, it's the one I'm mo- most interested in by a mile. So I was like, oh, black triangle, I can't believe it. You know, but actually, you know, hate to say it, but I'm not so sure about it. You know, at, at this point, that's probably about all I can say, really, because I've, I've literally done about an hour's worth of looking into it. But, you know, the bigger picture will probably emerge uh, as we go along um did you want to uh, add something else on that greg yeah just quickly so there was a couple of points that they spoke about on the podcast um first one was it looked like a triangle from the angle of observation so um but then they made a very strange off the cuff remark about pyramid shapes and it was kind of they they kind of sort of like laughed it off very quickly, and it was not mentioned again, which I, I thought was quite odd. 
I think that particular point is is to do with the um, the green triangle. Yeah, could be. The, the because the, the, the Corbell um, had called, he'd said that they were a pyramid shape because I believe that's what they were described as in the official report, um, even though the triangular on the video, it, it's, and then Corbell got a lot of grief for calling him pyramid shape, and I think he, that's what that comment was. Fair, was fair, fair enough. I think he was kind of just, you know, having a bit of a laugh at himself kind of thing. That's what that was. But if, if Yeah. And um, the other bit is uh, Lou made a comment some time ago saying that there is a video of a black triangle out there that's legitimate. Now, I wonder if this is the video he's talking about. Could Just be. Just some points to think about. That, as, as, that as, I, as I recall, I think... It was a bit older, that video. But, hey, Black Triangle videos, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know? it's, yeah. like, it's like it's like a hunt the pigeon, isn't it? Do you remember that? Catch it, smash it, yeah, whatever it is, that thing. <laughs> hunt the Black Triangle. Because you're right, we've had that before, and it's a really good point. I'd just also like to say that maybe the reason Ashy's uh, head was above me was because of the great analysis. That was really good analysis, counter analysis there. So very good. So maybe Cheers. I knew he'd have a good point there. So that maybe it was just my guilty conscience uh, making him appear. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, I think what it does show, a lot of them Marines, 2021, the phones wouldn't have been that bad then. Loads of them, they probably all have phones, and we still couldn't get a clear picture. So when we talk <laughs> about that, it just tells us, you know, but it's not as easy as we think using iPhones to get pictures. You know, somebody said, oh, we should have millions of pictures. Well, I don't know, unless it's right in front of you. It's like point you were making again. Uh, so I thought that was just an interesting illustration of that. But, yeah, so that's, that's a really good discussion, that, about it. I think he, I'm not sure myself, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think it's going to be an interesting one at the beginning of next month's roundtable to just come back to it first, per, first point and just see what we all think on reflection, you know, once we've had a bit more of a thing, so seeing other people's analysis a little bit more as well. Um, like I say, for all we know, in a week's time, a radar operator might come out and say, Oh yeah, I saw it on the radar. And then the whole case changes, doesn't it? Or you know that might not happen. I mean, we're not going to see the radar data, even if that does happen. But you know, the, the testimony of somebody who operated the radar would be a game changer for that case, wouldn't it? But mm-hmm. anyway, any, anybody got anything else to add on that before we crack on with the next point? Right. So, um, Doctor Gary Nolan, then, as Ash kind of hinted a little bit uh, earlier on, is going to be our next point. So Gary Nolan recently gave some uh, very interesting comments at a conference, and this was the SALT conference, which is billed as a global thought leadership forum encompassing finance, technology, and public policy. But apparently, I think I got this right, previous speakers include US President Joe Biden, Virgin founder Richard Branson, uh, Sir Richard Branson, mustn't forget that, and uh, former Google chief executive Eric Schmidt. So, you know, really kind of high-profile types of people that have been at this this thing in the past, you know. So I suppose, you know, given that, that it's that kind of a level and the type of viewers that that might attract, it really kind of gives even more significance to the points that, that Gary Nolan was making and that he chose to make them at that event 
because it's very different talking about something on a UFO podcast that's, you know, going to have however many people listening and it's going to be a certain type of people who've already got an interest. But for him to really, as the renowned kind of very highly respected scientist that he is, go on this platform and make comments like what I'm about to say is, you know, even more significant, I, I think. Really kind of quite mind-blowing. And I think his comments are pretty much the furthest he's ever gone in terms of like revealing, you know, his own opinions, which is what they are, obviously. Um, but obviously informed opinions of what he's been told behind the kind of curtain of secrecy that most of us don't get to go behind. So here's some bits of what he has to say. So quote, um, just go and look at the number of politicians on both sides of the aisle who've come together and signed off on this statement. What are they basing their opinions on? They're basing their opinions on the dozens of individuals who in one manner or another have come forward and talked to them in classified settings. And he said, uh, Gary Nolan said that he'd had personal experience with people who, frankly, I know have worked or are working on the reverse engineering programs. And he also went on to say that he knew some of the physicists on the inside who work at some of these big defense corporations who basically said, here's how you tweak general relativity to accomplish that in, in terms of what he's referring to there is the, the movements of how these craft operate. And then he goes on to say, but then how much energy is required to do it? Well, more than the whole nuclear output of the planet per day. Who could do that? We can't. Will we be able to do it in a thousand years? But if we had any piece of this, let's say it's a thousand revolutions ahead of us, a million revolutions ahead of us, even a tiny piece of knowledge from that could revolutionize what we're doing. So then Nolan was asked, you know, was he sure that humans possessed literal physical material to evaluate and to analyze? And this is kind of the, the key bit. And he says, quote, yes, 100%. It's there. I was working with a group about seven or eight years ago, and I literally got within a few weeks of gaining access to one of the objects. And when the people who didn't want us to gain access to it found out about it, they pulled some bureaucratic administrative tricks and snatched it away. Which is pretty pretty intense stuff. And I was quite interested that he, that he paused before he said object. You know, I thought he was going to say yeah, saucer or tic-tac or craft, but he was like, uh, object. You know, I didn't want to quite go that far. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into no, it. No, I don't think so. Interesting. And, uh, you know, so so this this has been kind of yeah, taken by many as, as, as a bit of an indication of, of, you know, how we're getting to some big reveal of some kind imminently and, and the hype and sort of speculation within the community has, has really kind of reached unprecedented levels recently you can't really open twitter or listen to a podcast without hearing about the big things uh, uh, you know that, that are due to happen in the near future and a lot of those relate to whistleblowers who have had involvement on reverse engineering crash materials of some type and whatnot so i think again that gives these comments even more sort of significance really in in the light of what's been being discussed recently so what do you guys reckon of these uh, these comments? Is it a bit of a Gary Nolan firing the starting pistol on the race to uh, disclosure or just a guy expressing an opinion which is being a bit blown out of proportion? bit of both. So um, 
let's go with you, Ash. What do you reckon? Oh, I have to start with me being all negative. Um, so, I am Dr. Nolan. I think I've spoken before. I'm not, not saying not a fan of his, but not the biggest fan. And with some of the stuff that he was saying, I sort of mentioned there, is it sort of true or is it one man's opinion? The way he's very careful with how he was saying what he was saying. And he was alluding to, kind of like the documentary you spoke about earlier, where they're portraying sort of opinion, but portraying it as fact. And some of the stuff he was talking about, was when he talked about Arrow and the sort of sentences on both sides being for signing a document, he was relating that to that department is for ET, extraterrestrial, like sort of visitation, rather than as it is, it's unidentified, it's something in the airspace we don't know, it's for identification, it's the anomalous sort of research into what we don't know it is. The way he was putting it across, the way he was wording it, was that it was an office, a study into ET visitation, rather than what it is. So it's sort of, obviously we know Gary Nolan's a believer, and that comes across in his sort of talk, which is fine. That's his belief. That's his opinion. That's fine. But it was kind of, like I say, putting it across as that was true. Like at the very start, when we talk about the 100%, like the moderator is asking sort of what level is it? Is this true? And it's like 100%. And he even says, that's not my opinion. Like it is 100% fact that ET have visited. And he talks about obviously the reasons why, which is different departments being set up. But again, linking it to Arrow being ET rather than just anomalous phenomena. And then when he talks about craft retrievals and downcraft, saying it's, instead of saying we, there's possibly downcraft that we've got, or he said we, we have got downcraft, he says these are, again, these are to be ET drones or AI that have come ahead of him rather than like a creature being inside the craft. It's a probe, a drone being sent to us. And the way he says it to me was that he's saying this is fact. We've got downed whatevers, and these are ET probes. And obviously none of this is like confirmable at this stage. And it might be in the next couple of years, but at this stage. And it just seemed a lot of very, very, obviously very big claims, bigger claims than I've probably heard him talk about all in one go in the 15-minute segment. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there. But it was kind of disappointing to me to see that side of it where he's just saying, this is this is what's happened. I was two weeks away from having access to this these crash retrievals, this reverse engineering, but they took it off us. They didn't want us to do it. There may have been some department that they were going to get into, but there's no way saying that that was going to be that sort of, they had some alien craft in that facility they were going to get access to. And they decided, no, we don't want these guys seeing it. It's all very his his belief, so he thinks that that was going to be what what that was going to be in there, and they took it away because they don't want them seeing it. It's all very his his beliefs, and then him putting it across as true rather than opinion. So that's kind of how my my takeaways from it. Again, just being negative again. Well, no, no. Hey, hey, listen, mate. You know we're only having a laugh when we talk about you know you being the the, the, the skeptical one or whatever. You know it's totally fine, man. You know I do the same thing. You know you have to do that. You know otherwise you end up leading yourself down some down some some blind alleys and whatnot. I mean, I think you know my my take on it is it ties in with what 
Dave was saying earlier, what you were saying, Dave, about, um, you know, when you were saying about the documentary, how it kind of mixes up sort of like the people who are, who are trying to find kind of the answers and the people who've got the answers and stuff like that. I think this is kind of what Nolan is saying there, um, is that he has seen enough through the work that he has managed to do that has convinced him 100%, you know, which, like you say, is kind of his opinion, but at the end of the day, an informed opinion. You know, he, he has been convinced that these things exist and that are being held outside of what he's been able to get access to. But he has been able to get access to some stuff that has convinced him that, from what he has seen, that there is something else and they were very, got into him very, very close to getting to whatever the full extent of it actually is. And I think that's kind of the, the thing, like going back to what Dave said earlier, a lot of people assume that Lou Elizondo has like flown a saucer or something. Do you know what I mean? Like Gary Nolan's like figured out how to work the engine of a Tic Tac and all the rest of it. But I think at the end of the day, these people are actually probably a lot closer than any of us in the public would be. But they're still essentially trying to get to the centre of that labyrinth, you know, of where the, 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 the best stuff is. Like, obviously, you know, we hear about these alleged kind of sources being kept or, you know, whatever it might be, fragments of sources, intact craft or maybe even bodies and that kind of thing. And all of that is outside of the reach of even people like you, Gary Nolans, who've had pretty, you know, high-level access to some of the best stuff as part of the work that he's done, in, in you know, for the government and whatnot. But I think for me, the... The really interesting thing there is not that Nolan has actually had his hands on a saucer and, you know, done the analysis on it, but he's been in that position where he's way closer to any of that stuff, the true extent of what is being held by the government than what than what I could ever be. And he is absolutely convinced and is willing to put his, you know, very considerable professional reputation on the line in saying, look, I've seen enough that convinces me that there really is something there. And not only that, I got really close to actually working on it, but didn't get to. That isn't in itself like a total smoking gun that a saucer exists in a hangar, but it's pretty bloody compelling, you know, in my opinion, that, that there really is something there. Um, and I suppose the, the really interesting thing is the knock-on effect of the comments that he made there being a step further than he's ever gone before what kind of pressure is that going to put on people? You know what I mean? What do you reckon, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think we need to think about the context of this. Uh, that salt thing is a big uh, investment. What the better call it? Venture capital, loads of big, serious money, Wall Street, all the rest of it. So well, part of what he was doing there was trying to get funding for a lot of projects, scientific research. So he was going to go big on that, I think, and that's part of what he was doing. And I think in the effort to do that, and because there's obviously something happening as well, the combination of that, he went big, you know, he went for the sort of Hail Mary statement, as it were. Uh, And they were massive, I thought, massively impactful statements, he said. I get what you mean, Ash, because his first point, some of it was, the evidence was a bit referential in the end, I was referring to other things like the government legislation and all the rest of it. So I was a bit more convinced by the second statement about the recovered material because I think he must have seen something like that. But nonetheless, like Frank was saying, he'd seen enough and we don't know all what he's seen to go 100%, which was mega. But I do think there's merit in your point, Ash, as well, about it wasn't quite as strong an evidence base and whether he couldn't say it all or not, I don't know. 
But I, I do think it's massive. And I did a tweet and I just, I, I literally woke up. I, I woke up in the morning at three. This is how sad I am, this. And I put a tweet out because I was thinking, God knows why I did this, saying, hang on a minute, Nobel Prize nominated, whatever, just said 100% certain on these two things and it shouldn't it be front page news. And I got about, God, it was nearly 700 tweets in the end. They agreed. Well, most of them agreed. There was a couple of work agreed. Obviously, Ash Puppet accounts there, obviously. But no, no, I'm not joking. No, no, no. Uh, but there was a couple. But I was, couldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? Because I thought normally it's me dad and probably I get the dog to tap the keyboard to make myself feel better. But no, I got loads of them. You know, and, I, you know, and that is a big thing to me. What well, It wasn't picked up. The, the other interesting thing, though, of course, is... Uh, who was he working with? Assuming it's true, who was the group? Because me and Frank were talking about this, and I thought, oh, it sounds like, you know, when they went for SAP States in 2009, all SAP and Reed applied for it, and they were knocked back. And I thought it was that, but as Frank pointed out to me, the timeline wasn't right, even though it sounds like it. So was it TTSA? I want, and maybe not. Was it some rump nids group, you know, of Al Puff and a few others, Steve, just coming together? Or was it DARPA, which is the... Uh, it's the defence, it's the, the research thing that the, the American Army have and they are linked to a lot of the stuff where they develop weapons. And Sharpie always goes on about them, so I always keep my eye on that. And Hal put off work for them for 11 years with Rick Doherty, who, funnily enough, in private comments, apparently he said he was full of BS. Rick Doherty, Gary Nolan, said that, whatever. So that was a bit of a shocker. But anyway, that's an aside. Uh, the, the, the point is that... Uh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. But basically, uh, oh, the other thing was, yeah, what I wanted to say was, he said alien at first because he was talking to that group. And uh, I think he just used it in the generic sense. We use alien or used to use it. Uh, and he clarified it a bit later and went on. And interestingly then, he focused on he thinks it's AI, which he has said. But AI, if you've got a load of money, that's where the money is. You know, that, you know, you know, that sort of tech. And I thought he focused on that particularly because he knew that would be interesting to that audience. Now, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's not a manipulative person like that. He's, I think he's a truthful person, as he says it. But it is something you might focus on more because there's loads. Of, he named about six possibilities. But he focused on that one because I think that would appeal to that audience because because there's a couple of little, not dog whistles because that's the wrong phrase, but there were a couple of little appeals to people who might have a bit of money in new science to put in. So there's a bit of that going on as well. But yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was very, very significant and linked to these coming revelations. So yeah, but a good good point, I think, from Ash there about, yeah, it wasn't maybe as strong a statement as it, uh, as it appeared in, in terms of our evidence. Thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's just, you know, for me, the fact that we hear about this rumblings of, of whistleblowers coming forward having worked on, you know, the some kind of whatever the extent of the materials or craft or whatever it is, that's the stuff that really kind of, you know, we were talking before about that triangle video and, yeah, it's really interesting and all the rest of it, but, you know, it could be that in a couple of days' time we kind of think about it and go, yeah, it's probably it's just flares and stuff like that, but... You know, when you're talking about somebody who's actually worked on, like, supposedly a saucer, for example, you know, that's pretty unambiguous, isn't it, sort of thing. And I know we've not seen the actual saucer or anything, and we've not heard from the person who has worked on it, but at this point we've got that, you know, Nobel Prize-nominated scientist, one of the leaders in his field, you know, 
talking about how he personally knows people who are, what was the quote? Let me find it. People who, uh, people who frankly I know have worked or are working on the reverse engineering programs. And for him to say that, like he's literally saying like, yeah, I'm a really high up, well-connected scientist, you know, and I know somebody who's literally working on a reverse engineering program. Pretty wild. That really gets my spidey senses going. You know what I mean? But you know, anyway, it's what I think the thing is though, is that that statement is, is really interesting, especially considering that we're hearing about these whistleblowers coming forward that have worked on that stuff as well, you know, and what that could lead to will be the, you know, potentially a lot more interesting. What do you reckon, Greg? So I'm going down the ash route a little bit. So Dave made a very good point. When you look at the audience of, so this person, Dr. Gary Nolan, is speaking to a bunch of people they wouldn't normally speak to about a subject they would never normally talk about publicly you have to question why is that conversation taking place yes it could just be a an interesting conversation and having different but if you're talking to people with a lot of money who are looking to fund things you would probably ham up a little bit on the um the claims you're making so there's there is a famous saying that says extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. And have apart from him saying hundred percent and I've got mates and well connected, did he provide any proof in that that talk? And the other thing that always annoys me with with these people I say these people, these people are the ones that all of a sudden become like this spokesperson and over the course of like two, three, four, five years, a little bit more of their story comes out. If the stuff that they're sitting on is so immense and will blow us away, why do they not just come out on day one and just say, this is everything I know? Because they can see that money train. Why Why would you stop drip feeding that little nugget like, I'm sure Corbell and George Knapp have been sat on a lot of this stuff for a long time. And this gives them an opportunity to, to drop it and keep that, keep that going. Um, so I, I think you do have to look at the audience that it's, it's being projected to, not necessarily like the venture capitalists, but when they're saying something in an environment that they're not normally in, why are they doing that? What is the purpose? Because there's only one or two reasons why. It's to further the truth or to get money. And generally, it's money. People need money. It's, it's They say it's the root of all evil, but it also is the stuff that makes the world go round. And people need to survive. I know that's quite an extreme look at it. But I do think... You have to look at the money. Look at the money trail. Where's it come from? Who's funding it? And why is it happening? Yeah, I hear what you hear what you say. I mean, a couple of things. And that's not to diss anything because it is some good stuff that comes out. Yeah, but yeah. You have definitely. to ask why now and why to that audience. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I, I definitely 
see where you're coming from. The only thing I would say about Gary Nolan is he is wadded, that guy. <laughs> so, I was going to say that. I don't think he's short of a few quid. So I, 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 I sort of, um, but on on the flip side of that, though, I think there is an element of it, perhaps with with Gary Nolan. You know, I, I've spoken to Gary Nolan in the podcast. I've spoken to him mm. off the podcast, you know, uh, as well. And I, I remember speaking to Gary Nolan a couple of years back before he was kind of seen as a figurehead of the UFO community in the way that he is now. And I suppose you you mentioned ham it up. As, as a phrase there, when you start to become like um, a figurehead for a whole community of people with a strong interest in this topic, is there like subconsciously um, an element of you want to push the topic forward on their behalf and the more you become like a figurehead, the more you, you, you kind of feel a, an obligation to make big statements, especially when you're on a big stage like that. And mm-hmm. perhaps what would have been 95% sure becomes 100% because you want the statement to have more impact in that moment. Yeah. I think there is that is a, a thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there, there could be a, a little bit of that there as well. But that, that doesn't necessarily make it like, any less intriguing of a statement to make from somebody in his position. Do you know what I mean? At the same time. So it's go on, Dave, what, what you reckon, mate? Well, I, I'd like to apologize to Greg for pulling my face when he said that about <laughs> none of the audience would have seen what is that extraordinary claim? Cause I hate that phrase, but like everything <laughs> it's, it does have its place. And similarly, this clicks debate is, but I would like to apologize. And Greg, you are a lot bigger than me, so I think I better have before I see you at the conferences, whatever. <laughs> but, but, but like everything, it, 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 it you know, it, it, it does have its place. So, uh, of course, yeah, it's, yeah. But, but I, what was what? Sorry, I've just gone off. I've gone off. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, the, the click thing. Yeah, we've had this discussion about the click. Uh, the, the click thing, then it, it's all about context, isn't it? Because it is a good point about chasing are people doing it or not. And the, what we come to in a couple of round tables ago was it's about the context of why they're making the remarks. And sometimes it may well be for clicks and the balance of probability because of the context means it's that. And other times it isn't that. And I think in this case, A, because he's loaded, but B, because he wants to get investment in and he wants to push this forward, as Frank was saying, it's probably Occam's razor that he's doing it to more shock and awe than it is clicks, you know, and, and what's it. But it is a good point, and I do think that concept was really quite important. But, yeah, uh, I, I, it, good point, though, because we've got to get to the meat of this. It's quite subtle, isn't it? You know, I think it's quite subtle. And I, and I don't for one moment, that's not me saying he is hamming it up just to get money no. and all that kind of stuff, but you have to, yeah. you have to think, why does anybody do anything? And you have to look at the whole picture as to why that statement's being made then and there to those people. So hammer up was probably not the right phrase, but that was the that was the kind of thing I was kind of getting at. Yeah, yeah, no. When when I mentioned hamming it up, I wasn't questioning your choice of phrase Mm. there, but I was saying I think probably is subconsciously an element of 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 that. but it's not necessarily, I don't think, in no one's case, out of a desire to, to make money because I think he's, he's probably set for a, a few lifetimes at this stage, you know, <laughs> the things that he's that he's done. But, you know, is there a potential to sort of like, you know, 
add a little bit more weight behind a mm-hmm. phrase, knowing that it'd have more impact to yeah. push forward a topic that you now feel like you have a voice that can push it forward. Do you know what I mean? There could possibly be an element of that uh, at play. But I also know from from speaking to to Gary Nolan as well uh, in the past that you know he's often frustrated with how every little word that he says gets blown up into this huge thing as well. So, you know, maybe he's like, oh, I'm now going, you know what I mean? So I wish I'd, I wish I said 98% instead of 100, you know what I mean? So, but yeah. as I say, we'll see how it all goes. And I think particularly interesting for me is the, the fact that I've, you know, and, and we, everybody by this point has heard all of these kind of indications about uh, some kind of big revelation being on the horizon, you know, to the point where I'm a bit fed up even of hearing podcasts where people are talking about this now, do you know what I mean? But the key thing that seems to be a feature in all of those um, stories that we're hearing is whistleblowers, particularly about reverse engineering programs. And I think no one's comment saying that he knows these people and, you know, and, and making a comment about that specific thing. Quite interesting. But, you know, that, that thing about um, things being predicted and whatever, is that's I think that might be something that maybe if it's not the next roundtable, the one after, you know, I think we're gonna, probably going to be, you know, depending on if you believe the, the rumour mill, we could well be talking about whatever this, this supposed big revelation actually is next month or the month after. And, uh, you know... I wouldn't mind that happening. It'd be a cool thing for us to talk about, wouldn't it? You know, I don't think we need three separate topics for that episode. If it's as big as everyone says, we'll just do a, an hour and a half on just that. But um, yeah, anybody got anything else to add? I think we're we're probably all good there, aren't we? Just a couple of questions. I'm pretty thinking, bloody hell, bloody <laughs> this man shut up. But has anybody heard? I heard somebody said something on Signal today and on the tweet as well. Uh, somebody, I've heard a couple of mentions of a Washington Post article coming out next week, sort of uh, with reverse engineering revelations. That, that's just people saying, "Have any of you heard that?" Because that's the first I've heard of it. Uh, that that was, uh, did any of you pick up on that? Well, I have heard that. Um, again, there's there's been so much hype and speculation around all this, whatever it is that's coming, and all the rest of it. I think people are just taking stuff and running with it, but. The things that I have heard that I find sort of like the most um, realistic involve a big article. And I personally have heard the name Washington Post being mentioned quite some weeks ago now um, um, as a potential thing. What I'm hearing is, is something along the lines of the New York Times article. Wow. I've also heard people talking about... Um, Things like you know a revelation, official rev, uh, revelation of, of of what's going on from an official government uh, body. I don't think that that's going to be the case. To be quite honest with you, you know, I think that's just one of them where people have heard about something big coming and they've just kind of made a bit of a jump from one thing to the next. I think the reality of you know uh, some kind of whistleblower type thing maybe through a newspaper like the Washington Post or New York Times or something along those lines. I think that's, you know, if something's going to happen, it's probably going to be something like that. Are we going to see sort of like, you know, an official person coming out? You know, I I don't think so. I mean, I don't like raw mushrooms, right? 
And if we hear an ex-president or something coming out, I will eat a raw mushroom on next month's round table. Top <laughs> draw. Top draw. Right. Oh, yes. But, we'll have to add you to that. Well, hey, listen, at the end of the day, if, if Obama comes out and uh, goes on a podcast and, and spills the beans, I'll be quite happy to eat a raw mushroom. Oh, oh, but, um, I'll be quite happy to watch you. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say I'll eat my hat, but I don't. I, nobody wears no, hats anymore, no, really, no. really. So I have to be a raw mushroom. So um, yeah, that's that's my that's my uh, grim, uh, yeah. you know, sort of uh, thing that I'm gonna have to deal with if if we do actually get some kind of official revelation. But I, personally, as as you can tell from from that uh, the little promise I've just made, I don't think that's going to happen. No. I really don't. Um, but do we? I think possibility of something big coming out through a big article or some kind of some new whistleblower stepping forward you know could be and i'd be very interested if that is the case because i'm i'm particularly very interested in that angle you know the material and the crash retrieval stuff mm. what what do you guys reckon let's have a quick whip round of of, of uh you know predictions of, of what may be to come anybody uh, want mine's kind of not a prediction but probably not even with what you sort of mentioned here i just want to quickly mention gary nolan uh, is that I don't want to see him go down the route of like Stephen Gray, where he, he started off, got the doctorate uh, in medicine. Obviously, Gary Nolan works with medicine and diseases and all that sort of stuff. And whereas Stephen Gray started off really well with the Disclosure Project, quite a well standing person, a lot of respect, and he's just gone off to, to now where he has no credibility at all. I just don't want to see that happen to Gary Nolan in 20 years' time, 10 years' time, because I can't believe a word this guy says. He said all this, he got no he can't back any of it up. So that's just it's like an anti prediction where I don't want to see this happen with someone like Gary Nolan, where now Stephen Gray and even like in the Morton Howe, where they've done really good stuff in the past, but now you can't give them any credibility because they do all these outlandish claims with not able to back any of it up. So it's just hoping that he, he can back it up in the future. That's my prediction, my hope for for him. Yeah. I think I think um Safe to say, Gary Norman and Stephen Gray are probably not on the best of, of terms with each other. Um, obviously, there was the Atacama thing, wasn't there? And uh, that was Stephen Gray's kind of uh, claim to fame sort of thing. And, and Gary Norman sort of poured cold water on that one. So with his, uh, you know, with his scientific analysis. Funny thing is, is that Gary Norman really wasn't flavor of the month back then in in the UFO kind of circles because you know a lot of people really wanted that to be a, a non-human. Mm. Um, you know, figure, and and he basically came out and said, "No, I've done the science; it's definitely human." And everyone sort of like slated him for it. And to think that 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 then, compared to how he is now, is seen as like a figurehead, quote unquote. You know, quite interesting. But what do you reckon, Ash? Just to, just to kind of go back to that, you reckon we're going to see some kind of whistleblower type thing coming out? You reckon we're going to see a you know an official government person reveal anything? Any? Prediction? I think it's always just going to be around the corner. It's always going to be coming. I think that's that's where it is. It's always around the corner. It's never quite at the front door yet. So will you eat a mushroom if we do get a whistleblower coming out in a major article? <laughs> I think he's a I bit much with his corner management, don't you? He might he might come round and someone might be there one day. It'd be a terrible accident. Yeah, well, well, we'll, we'll see. What about you, Greg? Um. Like Ash said, I think it's always around the corner. We never really get anything. But if it if anything was to come out, I think I think the New York Post was actually 
an interesting one because that showed that they could put some information out and it be sort of respectfully taken on board by people rather than just rubbished in a tabloid. It was actually a serious article. So I think I would... Yeah, sorry, New York Times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if, uh, if anything is to come out, it will be potentially something like that again. That would make sense because it worked well last time and everybody seemed to win out of that, so... Yeah, I think what 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 kind of makes me feel like that that might be the case is that I remember hearing um, interviews with Ralph Blumenthal and the the other people, Leslie Kane, and uh, I always forget the other, the name of the other person who was involved in the article. Um, Helen Cooper was it? Uh, yeah, anyway, I think so. The, the people who were involved in that article, I'm, I've heard interviews with them talking about how for months and months they were kind of rewording it trying to get approval of how to bring it out and if that process was ongoing especially like kind of renowned journalists like that the the word kind of would get out that there's a big thing in the works wouldn't it and that would be the kinds of things that people would talk about and like the sorts of, sorts of things we're seeing now so um who knows we'll see won't we at the end of the day so what do you reckon dave what's your predictions well, then uh, well i hope i don't see gary nolan with a lot of flares under his arm that'd be a bit unfortunate wouldn't it but uh you know going down here breaking bad with gary nolan you know uh well i think just to contradict you lads i think uh, well uh, a couple of you lads i think it is summer it's gonna but it's big's gonna happen at the end of the summer uh fall as the americans would say too many people have said it I think uh, there's too many people putting their reputations on the line. So I think we are going to see some. I think I'd heard about the, there's some sort of article before, but that Washington Post thing seems more specific. And that I've been mentioned around that. But So I think there'll be some sort of paper revelation. Uh, I think there'll be, these hearings are going to kick up rough. There's three potential ones, the Intelligence Committee, the Oversight Committee, and even the Transport Committee. But I think they might get a rough right there. Uh, so, so I think that, but I think there's something else as well, or something else, I should say, chaps. Uh, there's something else that's coming, but we don't quite know, and it could be some expedition, could be some, uh, it could even involve NASA, although I will eat 500 mushrooms if it's NASA. Uh, let me tell you, because uh, they won't reveal, they won't tell you if you're alive that lot, if they're taking your pulse. But anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, so, so I think it's going to be some big revelation that we're not sure of, and I'm pretty sure... Whatever it is, we'll be tied to Lou's book. Uh, my other prediction is that uh, Dr. What's-His-Name, uh, Kirkpatrick, will win the award for the man who's pissed off the most whistleblowers in with a single Senate hearing. I definitely up for that award. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think it's going to go large in the autumn, lads, like I was going on at, uh, on the Christmas round table. So I might be wrong. But at least I'm going going down fighting, yeah. But I, I do think that I think so much big's going to happen, and I'm quite happy for humble pie. And I'm sure Ash will gladly, and Greg, and whoever, and you, Frank, will happily serve it to me, which I would fully serve. Yeah, there you go, mushroom pie. <laughs> I don't know where this mushroom thing came from. It's just um, I had a, I had a mate uh, not spoken to him for some time, now, actually, not because of this, but just in general. <laughs> and uh, he used to eat raw mushrooms. And it just freaked me out. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I like mushrooms, but not not raw. No so man, wrong about that. Um, so yeah, I really do hope there's no official government figures coming out announcing something about UFOs now, because I really don't want to eat a raw mushroom. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, so there we are. Uh, we'll have to just see how it all plays out. But I think that's about all we've got time for uh, for now. Be interesting to revisit some of this in future round tables. Yeah. We'll leave it there for now. Then. Well, it's what, an, what an anniversary, lads! I really enjoyed that. It was great to get back into a fantastic episode or anniversary. I mean, you know what we got into. So that was great. Yeah. Whoever you enjoyed it, but I certainly. Yeah, it's a good job you mentioned that, Dave, because the rest of us have completely forgot to even say that it was an anniversary. <laughs> I remember saying it next last month, next month's our anniversary episode, and then completely forgot. Well, they all yeah, wait no. for us, though. Don't you think that? They all think, Christ, it's another round table. Get the revelations out. Gary, over to that salt conference. <laughs> Jeremy, come on. Pull your finger out, mate. The round table's about to start. So, obviously, that's, that's the it, truth. Yeah. That's the we'll law. Let's see what happens the day before the next round table. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Right, yeah, we all get arrested anyway. Right, it's popped on, but it's been a good in, and uh, I'll see you all Thank next you. time. See Bye. you all later. Speak yeah. to you soon. The UFO Round Table, the UFO Thinker and Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcasts.